Welcome to Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast, home to all things hockey in our great province. Hello, welcome to the very first episode of Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast. I'm your host, Ted Emmett, at least for now. I guess we'll see how uh, the first episode goes and uh, and go from there. But, uh, you know, at Hockey Alberta, really excited to get this off the ground. You know, been working on it for a little while. We want to just offer a new perspective uh, in everything that's going on around Alberta and hockey. So it's fitting. Very first guest is uh, Hockey Alberta's own CEO, Rob Litwinski. Uh, Rob, I want to say thanks for being here, but actually thanks for having us because we're uh, set up in your office right now. Uh, social distance, of course, right? Because COVID-19 has kind of been a focal point of what we're going to talk about today and what we've been talking about for the last six months. Uh, we want to talk about what's transpired so far, uh, where we're at with return to hockey, and of course, where we're going. Uh, before we talk about return to hockey, uh, as I mentioned, over six months now uh, since that fateful day, um, you know, depending on what organization in uh, what business, you know, those couple days in, in March, a lot happened. Uh, seems like years ago for some people, but I bet for you, uh, March 12th uh, probably feels like just yesterday. Uh, I wouldn't say that, but uh, certainly welcome to the uh, welcome to the office here, Ted. It's great to have you here. Um, historic day for us. Uh, I think we've been talking about having this podcast for some time and I think the fact that we're actually launching it in these these types of times shows the uh, commitment of of you and our entire Marcom staff. So uh, I'm really excited about it. I've been excited about a podcast. You, you talked about amazing guests and I'm not sure that I qualify for that, but uh, you have to start somewhere and we'll start with me and I certainly appreciate uh, appreciate doing that. Um, when I when I think back to, to March 12th and even before that, uh, you know, we could we could probably do an entire podcast just on that one day and what led up to it. But uh, it does seem like a long time ago now, even in preparing for, for today, I uh, really looked at uh, things like, you know, what exactly happened? Because each day seemed like its own little life event. Um, about that day specifically, though, um, you know, it, it was a kind of a unique day for us in terms of you know, I've, I've been fortunate to be involved in the game and, and have children in the game and whatnot, but we knew that the environment around us was starting to change. Uh, we could start to see things with, uh, you know, with pro sports and whatnot. And I know the day before uh, the NBA made their big decision. And, and I think the NHL, you'd heard that night before that, uh, that things were going to happen. So when we showed up for work that day, um, you know, we were fortunate. It was, it was kind of a different day for us. As you know, we don't have our staff in the office every single day. All of our staff from our regional offices, what we did that day. So my update at uh, 8.30 in the morning was, you know, we're, we're having continual communication kind of daily with Hockey Canada to pay attention to what's going on. We're certainly aware of where the environment's been changed and, and whatnot and, and really showed up to work that day giving an update. And you would have been in the room, Ted, and you would have heard that, hey, we're paying attention to what's going there. I had, you know, myself, I had just come from a hockey game with my son the night before. I was, uh, I was worried about working the timekeeper's box, which I know everyone loves that job. I was hoping not to get the score clock on the Friday. Uh, like I, I don't like the score clock or I do the sheet. Um, and I, I approached that day like things were happening, but never for the life of me would have thought we got to where we got to at the end of that day. And it kind of, it escalated fairly quickly, maybe not for you. Cause I know you were on calls all day, but as you mentioned, I remember coming to work, you know, we're a week away from provincials kicking off a month away uh, from the Alberta cup coming back to red deer here. So it, it was kind of in the morning. It almost, when we came in, it was okay. Everything's kind of going going as it's supposed to. And as the day went on and all of a sudden near the end of the day, I guess, so to speak, that the hammer came down and, and kind of historic, obviously, you know, COVID affected a lot of things and arguably much more important than hockey, but just for us, everyone playing the game, 
it's kind of a historic moment for hockey to, to shut down across the country. Oh, oh, absolutely. And I mean, like you said about that day, that day, they started with uh, updates and, you know, I got pulled away at about 9am and, and, um, you know, one unique part of it was, you know, having our staff here, um, it happened to be a day where, where our chairman of the board, Len Simletsky, who uh, lives in St. Albert and does do some traveling back and forth. He happened to be popping into the office. Uh, it looked as though we had this coordinated in some fashion, but we didn't. Um, so it actually worked out to be very unique for me, but, I mean, uh, certainly historic um, event uh, in terms of what, you know, how we ended up by, by 7 p.m. But that, that time frame from nine till I got called out for one quick phone call and it was a sport that we don't normally normally talk to or a branch that maybe another member branch we didn't talk to all the time. And I never got off the phone from nine o'clock on. And, and I'd even argue that from about nine till noon, I still wouldn't have predicted at 12.01 that uh, we would have ended up where we went at, ended up and I think just a tribute to you know kind of the different wheels that were in motion as we move forward on that kind of stuff. And I know you mentioned you know seven I think it was around seven o'clock the formal announcement was made but uh, for you especially and everyone in the office you know uh, maybe was your phone blown up that afternoon because I think people you know across Alberta anyone involved in minor hockey really kind of holding their breath waiting waiting to see what happened and kind of cursed with knowledge at, at that point for a couple hours till we got the announcement. Oh, did you have a lot of that, your phone blown up, people asking you, trying to get that inside scoop. Well, I think the problem from about noon till about six was my phone was blowing up, but I was trying to catch them all. So, I mean, there was messages and all types of things, emails and whatnot. And as I mentioned before, uh, you know, just calls with people that normally normally didn't talk to every day. Uh, and we were gearing up for a, a big Hockey Canada meeting with all the branches. Uh, and, and at that point, you know, we certainly expected that we would be discussing where we were and the environment changing. Uh, in terms of by the time we got to um, seven o'clock and when we had made the decision, and certainly we had coordinated uh, we had coordinated the opportunity to have our board together because I started the day without uh, without having a board meeting in place. And obviously for a decision that significant uh, and how fast it was moving, uh, we knew that we would need our board for, for something, whether it be a really key update um, as to where we were. Um, but as things were trending forward, moving forward to saying this, this actually might happen, that historic event that you talked about earlier was actually going to happen and it was the right decision. Um, you know, after that decision was made, which was kind of here in Alberta in the early afternoon, um, we then had to do some work behind the scenes, obviously, to prepare for that. And um, as you would recall as well, uh, we were kind of waiting for when the decision would actually be announced nationally and then being prepared uh, provincially as well to make sure we launched the information that we need to launch at the right time. And, and it was delayed a little bit. It wasn't exactly at the exact time that we thought, um, but it was kind of a, an odd time in my career, um, that time especially, knowing that that was about to happen. But even that day, starting to reflect on on what exactly happened that day, that I could be sitting there at 9 o'clock giving, giving an update, a really important update to our staff and to our board. And then by the end of the day, have that same staff in the room and our board as well and telling them, this decision is either about to be made or is going to be made. And, and we know that it's going to be historic. And uh, certainly, you know, gut-wrenching uh not you know from hockey i'm a hockey guy we're all hockey people um but we knew that something bigger was going on and uh certainly uh knew that at that point it was a it was going to be a really different day like we never had before 
And so now we've talked about March 12th. And, and now when we look at the, the weeks following that, you know, now we're working from home. Hockey, so to speak, is, is postponed or canceled at this point, but still a lot of work to do. It, it doesn't stop necessarily, right, for us. So what did those, uh, especially when you look at March, April and May leading up to those restrictions being lifted, what did that look like for Hockey Alberta internally? Well, I think first off, you use the word postponed or canceled. And I think what we realized right after, right on March 12th, that we take some things for granted in language that we use in the game. Uh, we talk about, you know, sanctioned hockey and what that means. And, and what we realized as of Friday morning was, happens to be Friday the 13th. Um, but uh, what we noticed on that morning was not everyone, we thought the decision was pretty clear, both from Hockey Canada and from Hockey Alberta. But we had a lot of questions on kind of, what does this mean? What, you know, what do you, what do you mean all sanctioned hockey? My, my games this Friday, does that mean us? Are we still in that? And, I think we take that for granted at times. And I think we learned that, you know, we we use different language and different lingo and whatnot. And, and we, we are cursed with knowledge. You'll hear me say that a bunch of times today. And that's the first thing we learned is that our message, which we thought was quite clear on the on the evening and in the morning, still needed some more clarity. And we spent a lot of time, you know, not myself, my, certainly myself, but all of our other staff as well, really trying to clarify what does this mean? Like, I, you know, questions that seem simple, but they're very, you know, very important going, Okay, so I saw your announcement. I saw Hockey Canada. I think I think you guys are connected to Hockey Canada, right? And yeah, of course we are. Um, so I have a game this Friday, and it's a really, really important game. So is it, am I done? And I think some people got that right away, but some didn't. And I don't blame anyone for not fully appreciating that. That's, you know, that's something that we had to be stronger at, and, and I think that we did that. So that'd be the first thing I'd say, that, that moment, uh, showing up for work the next day, um, going, you know, Wow, what the March twelfth? I can't believe what happened. But then, really getting back up and making sure that we we had an awful lot of work to do, and it started with that communication. And I think in hearing that now, and and even back when six months ago, I think it, it really shows you the magnitude of that decision because people, it almost doesn't click in your brain. I know even that night going home as a staff member, it didn't really sink in that like no hockey is like everything is is stopping right now. That's how serious this pandemic is and where we're at. So I think that was part of it too, is people think, okay, what's stopping, what's not. It just doesn't really click in your brain right away that especially in Canada, hockey is completely coming to a halt for now. So I, I think that's a, a really good example of, of just how big a, of a decision that was that day. And I think, I don't even, even thinking back, it seems like a long time ago, but still stands out in my mind as uh, at least in my career, uh, a, a big defining moment being part of that. I've got a few more gray hair than you do, so my career too. So um, I'd suggest that uh, it certainly was a defining moment. And as you say that, it makes me it makes me recall not to try to go back, but just the decision that was made was national in nature. And I think that was a really important piece to the decision itself. And even how we unfolded with it is that we weren't looking at, um, you know, British Columbia doing one thing and Alberta doing something different and Saskatchewan something different. I think there was a real strength in the decision that we made the day before, and it helped with our communications as well. And I know I'm talking with other sports, um, you know, they, they never, some of them did not have the opportunity to do that. And I think they, they envied us if I'm not sure if envy is the right word in situations like this, but they, they respected the fact that we were able to organize our entire country and whether you were sitting in Newfoundland or whether you're in Vancouver Island, the decision was the same. Because as I, as I think back to that day once again, um, you know, as we move through that day, different sports, different parts of our province were all moving at different paces. And I think, you know, it was great leadership shown by Hockey Canada, by their board and by their senior staff and all staff to organize us in a way that said, at least when we came out on, on March the 13th, um, we were in a position where we all were saying the same thing. Now, 
Um, and that was important. And I think that we realized that that was something that other sports and other groups wish they had as well. But there was a real strength in our ability to communicate that way. And looking back to it, it's easy to say now it was a good decision to do that because basically everything shut down in the days following. But really, when you look at the timing of it, at that point, uh, you know, that decision to shut down hockey was made. But at, at that point, schools uh, in Alberta were still going to be going forward. And I think it was the the Sunday or Monday that that decision was made. So um, in saying that the, the timeliness of that decision, I think, by Hockey Canada was correct uh, because it everything was trending in that direction. And, and, you know, it's a tough decision to make. I don't think anyone ever wants to to make that decision, but I agree, uh, you know, and in saying when we say it was a good decision, it was the obvious decision, but I think the, the timing of it was was bang on. It, it does seem obvious now. Like it does seem like it was the right time, the right decision. I know um, earlier on in that particular day uh, where our schools were at was really, you know, for me personally was important. I thought, you know, maybe we would be following the lead of schools. And as you said, I think the decision was made that following Sunday. Um, but in looking how the landscape was changing um, across the country with decisions that were being made, um, it became evident that the opportunity to do that nationally and do it as one um, was really important. And I think taking advantage of that opportunity at that time was, was an important step for us as well. And in those months following, as I mentioned, leading up to, you know, where we, we started to see restrictions lifting and kind of see that return to hockey in the forefront, we could talk a bit about uh, later about all the positives that, that came out of this. And of course, you never want to say a pandemic is positive, but of course, uh, good things come. But now in those months, uh, you know, we, we did a lot of things. We were keeping our members in, engaged. Uh, but from from your standpoint, a return to hockey was really always kind of the focus. So as we shift into to talking about that, what did that preliminary uh, look at, at return to hockey look like? Well, I think that originally we, you know, there was a, I couldn't give you an exact date, but it was somewhere in the spring that uh, everything was focused on cancellation. Um, what do you do about cancellations? What do you do about this? We were almost working at a, we're working on a day by day, if not week by week pace of making sure we updated our constituents, make sure we updated our staff on where we were at because I mean, let's face it, none of us have been through this before. So it sounds uh, it sounds naive to say now, but we were updating on week or two week increments uh, in terms of, well, let's not make decisions for more than a month out, which seems almost seems foolish now. But yet at the time, not knowing what's around the next corner, we didn't know what that meant. So um, I would suggest that, you know, up to April, even into May, we we're still it was a lot about talk cancellation. The season has been canceled and we're what were the ramifications of the, you know, what's what's going on with that? And then I think, again, I'd, I'd give Hockey Canada great credit and, and certainly the 13 branches, including us, that then the narrative started changing to, OK, let's, you know, return to play or in our case, return to hockey had to really become what we were all about. And it, it became obvious to me pretty early on that uh, as difficult as March 12th was and leading up to March 12th and right after March 12th, that return to hockey and what it might look like, given the the disparities between you know our provinces and and health standards and whatnot, that it was going to make uh, make March twelfth look I wouldn't say easy, but look like it was a bit of a walk in the park. And that sounds really odd to say because it was probably the most difficult day ever in my career. Um, but looking forward, we knew return to hockey is going to be a a bunch of big challenges, and we're going to have to navigate through them. And it's something we know in the office. Uh, you know, I think I, I come into work every day feeling pretty fortunate that I'm not on the the direct return to hockey committee because uh, you guys are in there meeting daily, I think it looks like, you know, and it's a moving target. Great job has been done creating this plan and, and we're getting it out there and people are 
are seeing it, our, our MHAs, our minor hockey associations, everyone's seeing it in that. So you talk a bit too about just all the work that, that goes into that because it, it's quite a bit from a, from a lot of moving parts and no, it's, it's a long document. So you can only imagine again on the inside, we see how much work goes into it, but if you can kind of talk a little bit more about that. Well, it started with the work that Hockey Canada did with, they put together a, a task team, I think it was with respect to return to hockey protocols. And that really was the kickstart to making sure that a lot of the safety and protocols and, and, and just a lot of great work across the country uh, that got done. I think what we realized that another big shift that happened, and again, don't have an exact date, but with return to hockey, we thought there was a real strength, as I've mentioned before, and in, in going out as a entire nation. So when March 12th happened, there was a, there was a strength and a unity and a, and a, and a, not an ease, but we could make our communication stronger with, you know, hockey got canceled together. There was a, there was a positive to that in terms of how we could communicate. And I think there was a narrative there for a bit saying, when we come back, we're going to do the same thing. If it, if we went out together, we're going to come back in together. And that's really, really important for us. It started shifting as, as more and more of our, you know, provincial health guidelines, you could start seeing that that wasn't going to be the case. And I think there was a, a really important decision made by Hockey Canada's members um, through that return to hockey stage and building those original documents saying the national document can only, the national guidelines can only go so far because each province is a little bit different. So we made another important decision at the time saying when hockey inevitably returns, uh, and I guess I say inevitably, but at the time we didn't know it was inevitable, um, when it when it returns that it's going to have to come based on each each provincial set of guidelines. Um, so an important decision was made that while, while we went out together, when we come back to come back in, to whatever hockey is going to look like in different parts of the country, it's going to look different. So I think Hockey Canada, as they worked with its branches to build that first return to play document, return to hockey document, I think it was based on that knowledge, knowing that that was going to be the you know really key part of what happens next. But then there was an awful lot of work to come, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about with respect to what's next for Hockey Alberta. And when we talk about the return to hockey document, a, a big document, very thorough, very well done. Everything's laid out in there. But I think if you could pull one thing from it, it's that the safety of everyone is first and foremost. Absolutely. That's why it's there. That's, um, you know, we are trying to be the conduit between what we used to, what we used to play in hockey, which was, you know, whatever we've done for years and years before to the new set of guidelines, the new, the new playground we're in. And I think our job um, and certainly the national uh, documentation did a great job of helping this but then we realized each each province realized there's a lot of work to do within your province based on your guidelines so first and foremost to us safety and that's why we put the work and effort into it that we did in terms of our process of getting there we thought it was crucial to set up the right type of committee that was nimble um, so we did use our senior leadership team here to, to kind of be the, the people that started meeting as you mentioned before daily or more don't ask the guys if we got sick of each other or not I'm not sure um, but uh, all kidding aside we started with that and it really started from started from scratch what does this mean what a, you know we have the hockey canada documentation we have guidelines from alberta health services how do we build something that gives guidance for our sport? And one other uniqueness to us was we're we're, t we're in June right now. We're thinking about things in June and July. Large parts of our game are not, they're, they're somewhat dormant, right? They're certainly, we know that many people are playing hockey during that time, but the sanctioned activity is not high. But, but even with that, we felt it was important because there was a, you could kind of feel the movement. You could feel the, I don't know if you call it a buzz, but you know, what are we doing? What's going to happen? Even though you knew that in June and July, you know, we shouldn't necessarily be rushing to get into the rinks. So we thought it was important to release a document early. So we did that. We got our first version out, which kind of really helped describe kind of four phases at the time that uh, that we thought would work for our particular document moving forward. So um, that was an important piece for us right then. 
And I know uh, just based on on what you hear, you know, from people even around the office, outside the office, you know, I think this is uh, not necessarily a return to normal. It's a return to hockey. But also when you look at a lot of aspects of it, it, it's not too far off. I think a lot of people are okay with a bit of the changes. They're working with it because they're just so happy to be on the ice. I know I'm sure on some mornings, especially near the end of August, you look out your window, you know, and there's kids walking through the parking lot with their, their skates on. It seems like everyone's everyone's happy to do that. It's fairly close to normal, but not quite. So what's the biggest thing that separates really this season from any other season? Well, I think that the two things that hit me right off the bat is certainly AHS guidelines. We are still, you know, safety still is first. So we're trying to mesh being responsible, governing body, um, working with a, a really large membership to try and make sure we're all responsible and practice the proper safety. But, you know, two main things that come to mind for me are certainly, you know, in the past, we were not used to uh, participating in cohorts, a maximum of 50 people in any one cohort. Uh, we were not used to, so that's one thing. Second is, you know, the the idea that you have to be 14 days between cohorts. And that's something that starting back into June and now here in, in late September, October, we're still talking about the same thing. So that, that's what's made our game different primarily is that, you know, we can't act and play in the same way we used to because of those, because of the guidelines that have been put in place by Alberta Health Services. And, and those are what we've been trying to work with the whole time to make sure, A, safety remains paramount, but B, that there is some opportunity to actually make sure that our game can come back. You know, we've had an opportunity to have plenty of communication, if not over communication uh, with many groups, including our national bodies. And and I think it's easy to, to say that at times, all of us have experienced some form of frustration through this last six months, sport, non-sport, life, society, everything. And it's easy for us to be in a position where we say, man, I wish we could do a little bit more. Uh, you know, 14 days doesn't, why 14 days or why, why 50? And we've spent a lot of our time Listen, those are experts that have made those decisions and we're trying to interpret that for our membership to get to the next space. And and I think we realize that at the time and even now, there's certain opportunities that we have that other provinces don't. And so we can look at it as an optimistic view. And I think as we've turned a corner to return to hockey, to plan return to hockey, to actually returning to hockey, we've tried to express through, you know, through some of our recent social media posts, hockey is back. It can be back and it is going to look a little bit different. But as long as we adhere to the safety guidelines, it, it's going to be here and, and uh, it's going to be fun and enjoyable for our participants as it always has been. And that rolls perfectly into, into my next topic here is that push we've made the last couple of weeks on hockey is back and those four major points that minor hockey Hockey has started, travel's permitted, tiering games will happen, and league play is on its way. Without getting too deep into any of those, what, what's really important to know that, uh, that you haven't already addressed in the last few minutes here? It sounds overly simplistic, but it is it is truly that hockey is back and that it, and it can be back. And I think the reason I say that is I think many of us uh, in our game spans all corners of the province and every rink and, and seems like a lot of different coffee shops and whatnot as well. But there is a real, you know, for those of us, I've used the term cursed with knowledge and, and we are definitely that in this office. And I think many of our association leads are too. But what we're recognizing that people that are, and I'm also a customer in the game, that as you talk to uh, fellow customers, people are asking some some easy questions in my mind going, so are there going to be games? Can we have games? What is, you know, we're detailed into cohorts and 14 days and that, and people had the most simple questions saying, so do you think there'll be games in October? And, and I think our messaging was meant to say, yeah, there can be, there will be games. We, we have the opportunity to do that. We have to follow, you know, these sets of protocols and we won't get into that detail now, but that was really important to share that. And I think, I think it had the desired impact for us as well uh, to let people knew that. We know there was some risk in that as well. Certainly safety 
remains paramount. That's why we're that's why we're going through what we're going through, regardless of anything else. But it was important to share with people that we're going to bring this game back um, based on the guidelines that the government has put in place for us or our health services, based on you know working with our national body, and we can make this work. So I think it was important to kind of create a sense of optimism and positivity that you know while everything might not look exactly the same. If you love this game like so many of us do and you want to be back in the game, um, that there's going to be a spot for you. And that's, you know, that's what we think we've tried to achieve in this last, the last, last couple of weeks as we've really got people back on the ice. And when you look at the timelines of it, I know, um, you know, knock on wood, because things, as we've seen, can change weekly, sometimes daily uh, with the landscape in Alberta, Canada, the world. But when you look at, I guess, a quote unquote normal season and the timeline of this year, uh, when things get going, get started, we're not too far off uh, from any other year. It might be a little later, but it, it's uh, not too much later, especially when you consider like the Stanley Cup was just awarded you know, in, in September. So as far as that goes, right, it's, it's not too far off. I don't think so. I mean, we're in a position where, you know, the, one of the positives that's come out of this is that we're arguably as organized as we've ever been with, with our associations and with our leagues um, and working together as, you know, in terms of how we launch the season, because like COVID-19 itself, it's affecting all of us and we have to work together to get back. And I know that kind of sounds fluffy, but that's what we've really worked hard to do. We're working every day, as you mentioned earlier, about, uh, you know, we're meeting daily on this. Some days are quick meetings, some days aren't so quick. But in terms of some of the different questions that are coming back, and, you know, I think that the, the main difference for us is when you think of the 14-day period in between cohorts and as teams are formed is that, you know, we've become accustomed in hockey that, I, I, this is my words and maybe no one else's, but I, I've, you've heard me say this a number of times, Ted, that uh, at the end of the day, we're used to on Friday night, we play uh, town A and on, on Saturday, we return home to play town B. And that's that's always been part of our psyche that, you know, the, the bigger the league, the more number of teams that that seems attractive to us, that it's, it's uh, you know, even as a parent, as a customer, that feels right. And I think that's something that that's going to change. Um, and it, it right now in the foreseeable future, it's going to be changed as we as we look at how we're going to pair teams up. And, you know, you're instead of playing town A and town B in the same weekend, you'll have the opportunity to play town A, you know, two or three times over a course of a, you know, whether it be a three to 10 day period or really how long people want. And I think that's one major difference, which as I've talked to many people in rinks and meeting rooms, people are like, I can handle that. Like that's not a, you know, we refer to baseball in the series and it hasn't been common in, in minor hockey, but you know, we know that it's been common in other sport. And I think that's one major change we're going to have. And, you know, maybe it's not that major, maybe it's just, uh, it's some, some of our habits are changing. Right. And I think that, uh, as I've talked to people, I've found that people are like, that's, you know, that's not, that's not the end of the world. That makes sense. I can play town A three times on a weekend rather than playing three different towns. That's that's okay. And uh, I think that's going to be something we'll all get accustomed to. There's actually a um, an advantage to the fact that there's logistically some advantages to it as well, which I think we're sorting through as we speak. And so maybe one of those positives, or even it depends on how you look at it, but a positive that come comes out of everything is, you know, when you look at, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, talk to you, talk to lots of hockey parents, you know, going from going north, for a game, then the next day you're going south. So maybe uh, at least it's a different look and maybe something that if it works out well this season, even as we go on from years, maybe something that is incorporated a bit more into everyday minor hockey. Absolutely. And I, you know, that's definitely an advantage that uh, we may look back and, and realize that this, the way we're organizing it, you know, we might look back in years and say, 
I can't believe the days when we used to do this. So I think there's some advantage to that too. And I think the other the other change is the you know 14 day period where you know you can't necessarily go jump back in and play another game with another team um, that's outside the cohort. I mean, um, is that you know that we're going to give teams more time to spend together on team training, and that's going to happen as the as this tryout process kind of starts and cascades through our you know AAA, AA tiered hockey into community level hockey that. You know, there's there's time in between uh, you have to spend when you're part of one cohort before you're ever part of a different cohort where, you know, what do you do at that time? Well, we know we've got a lot of great coaches in our province that can use that time properly, um, both in the tryout and the kind of the formation of team, but also through the season. That You have those periods of time where, you know, those are great times for practices and great times to develop your skills and whatnot. So it seems at times that, you know, crisis does change the way you think. And I think in this case, it's making us probably slow down a little bit in terms of we used to rush to rush to games, rush to exhibition games, rush to making sure your team's formed and, and getting on with those habits that we've been so used to forming that this, our protocols now are forcing us to change change our habits. And I, I hope that there's some learnings out of that and a couple of examples we've talked about that, uh, that to me, I think are better for the game as we move ahead. Um, so looking forward to seeing how that, you know, works for future years as well. And Rob, I know we're going to talk a bit more about this, and I know I know you've got a bit more in you, but we're still going to give you a, a bit of a breather. I'll finish our conversation in just a few minutes, because uh, although COVID always, uh, you know, return to hockey are usually at the forefront of our conversation, lots of other stuff going on around Alberta and hockey. So I'll take a quick look at uh, what you need to know. Big one with the season coming up, coach clinics are up and running across the province. So if you're a coach, uh, you want to brush up a bit ahead of time of the 2021 season, uh, take a look at our website, our clinic are up there. There's a couple more that are going to be added as well uh, in the coming days. So make sure you keep looking back. Uh, they're all running at half capacity, uh, obviously to ensure uh, social distancing, keeping everyone safe. So sign up while you can. You know, you also have to make sure your coach qualifications are up to date. So this may be actually a, a necessary clinic for you. You have until November to do so. You know, my mom always used to say, why put off today what you could why put off till tomorrow what you can do today? And you can see I never listened to my mother because I can't even get that quote right. So don't be like me. Head to the coaches section of hockeyalberta.ca. Find out what qualifications you need to meet and then sign up for a clinic. And a bit of a, a brag book time. I know uh, Rob always likes these. One of Hockey Alberta's own recently received a, a very prestigious award from Hockey Canada. Our high performance coach mentor, Barry Midori. Uh, a lot of you will know him, have seen him around. Uh, he's the 2020 recipient of the Gordon Jukes Award. A really well-deserved honor for a guy who gives a lot back to the game, both professionally and as a volunteer. Uh, I'm not the only one who thinks so as well. So here's a, a little quick tribute to Barry from just a few of the people he's impacted in his career. I think of one word that describes Barry. It's very easy for me. It's passion. Uh, I would describe him as dedicated. Would be committed. Difference maker. It's wisdom. I think of passion. Caring. A learner. The one word I would use to describe Barry is genuine. I think a lot of people would echo uh, wisdom. When I think of one word that describes you, in my opinion, it's dedicated. Uh, there's no questions you leave with your heart. He's a student. He's always learning. His incredible thirst for knowledge. And one word I'd use to describe you would be thorough. Significant. One word I would use to describe Barry is, I guess, three words, lifelong learner. Genuine. He's open. Relentless. You'd be genuine. Yeah, genuine. He's a difference maker. You're a guru. Unicorn. Late nights. Be patient. Supportive. Impact. Our talk is amazing. Our talk is awesome. I'm going to ask for a better Awesome. Congratulations, Barry, on a great honour with Hockey Canada. Very much deserved. Uh, thank you for being my mentor, and thank you for all your hard work you've done for hockey in Alberta. Thanks, Bearcat.
Congratulations again, Barry. Uh, an amazing mentor, uh, even better person. Uh, it's been great working with you for five years. And I know I think uh, just like in the clip we heard, uh, echo every little bit of sentiment from that. And let's keep the brags going because uh, another former Team Alberta player is going to have his name etched on the Stanley Cup. Calgary's own Braden Point in the Tampa Bay Lightning claimed hockey's most elusive prize, you know, a Stanley Cup in September. Uh, a little bit odd, but still great to see. Con Smythe Trophy went to Victor Hedman, uh, very deservedly so, but Point was right there in consideration with an astounding 14 goals and 33 points. In 23 postseason games, uh, pretty good for a third-round pick. Uh, so again, congratulations goes to Braden Point and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Speaking of the NHL draft, as strange as it sounds, uh, it's just a few days away as well. Uh, the first round goes on Tuesday, October 6th. Uh, rounds 2 to 7 are going to go the next night on October 7th. And it looks like, again, going to be a pretty strong year for Albertans. 24 Albertans were on the list when NHL Central Scouting released its final rankings back in April. Team Alberta alumni Jake Sanderson, Caden Gooley, Dylan Hall, Holloway and Ridley Gregg are just a few uh, that uh, might have their names called and those four actually with a shot to go in the first round. Uh, last year 12 Albertans were selected including Kirby Dock and Bowen Byram who went third overall to Chicago and fourth overall to Colorado respectively so looking forward to, again to seeing some Albertans have their name called. Lastly probably old news at this point but still important to note uh, the International Ice Hockey Federation and Hockey Canada announced a few weeks ago now the 2021 World Junior Championship still happening, but it's happening in Edmonton uh, in a bubble without fans, similar to, to the way we saw the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, which when you look at uh, for over two months, zero positive COVID tests obviously uh, went very well in that regard. Uh, so it's, it's not going to be split between Red Deer and Edmonton as planned. Uh, but it's not all bad news that IIHF also said uh, Edmonton and Red Deer are going to have the opportunity, knock on wood, to host next year's championship. Uh, so that's what you need to know. For more information on any of the aforementioned subjects there, just head to HockeyAlberta.ca. So coming back now with Hockey Alberta CEO Rob Litwinski, our very first guest on our very first episode of Center Ice. Uh, Rob, while we're on the topic of World Juniors, that's not great news uh, for Alberta, but at the same time it kind of is, um, you know, hockey, it's still happening, and then uh, the opportunity to host next year. So one of those things, again, uh, for Alberta, at least something to look forward to. Yeah, I think kudos to Hockey Canada on the leadership that they, you know, they showed in terms of how they communicated with their members, but also obviously the work that probably none of us really know about in terms of what would have taken place with the IHF. And uh, I, I look at it as a, you know, in this circumstance, a, a positive for you know, obviously those players going to get the opportunity to compete for that, uh, for that event, that championship, which I think is important. Uh, and for us in Alberta, obviously, it's great that uh, there's a confidence to have it right here in our own province. And uh, with Edmonton's work uh, with, with the NHL, Clearly, that seems to make a lot of sense. Um, there's going to be opportunity for us, uh, even within this year, to still continue to tie into the World Juniors. It might be might be a little different than it would have been uh, in terms of what we were planning before. Um, but the other advantage for us is we have, you know, now we have an extra year to or more to plan for what's going to happen the following year in Red Deer Edmonton. And not that you ever want to have more time to plan, but if I ever wanted more time to plan, this might be the year because we've had uh, we've had something else on the go that's uh, kind of taken a lot of our attention. So, you know, the opportunity to uh, to really make sure that, uh, you know, our nor northern from Red Deer North is engaged in this event, but our entire province is engaged, not just in the bubble event, but in the future event is really, you know, I'm really excited about that. And uh, frankly, uh, it, it uh, means that we're not going to be crunched for time, given that, like I said, large majority of our times we put towards uh, return to hockey. And on the subject of events as well, you know, it, it's hard. That's probably one of those situations 
again, where it, it's bad news. It's not great news, but you know, where we're at uh, right now in the world, it, it's one of those situations of it kind of is what it is. And when we look forward now, you know, it's, it's hard looking forward when, when hockey hasn't really fully fired up again yet. But when we talk about our events, maybe provincials, the Alberta cup, the, the Alberta challenge and prospects cup, probably a lot of questions on those as well. And it's, those are kind of those ones where you want to look far ahead, but you also can't look too far ahead at the same time. For sure. And I think the approach to that is there's probably an optimistic look and there's a non-optimistic look. And I'd say I choose to take the optimistic view that, you know, our, our full intention would be to be in a position in 2021 to to award provincial championship medallions to uh, to our various divisions and levels and whatnot. Um, that might have to, it might look different, it might not, and we don't know that. But I think that's important for us to, to share is that we want to get to that spot. We don't know exactly what it is yet. We have some time to make those types of decisions. We know right now that we can't have gatherings of more than 50. So we know that. And that's the, you know, if you were to choose to take the non-optimistic view of, well, how can you have a tournament if you can't have more than 50? Well, things have been changing if not daily, weekly. Um, but right now we are certainly fully committed to being able to offer that to our members and to our participants. And, you know, there might be different ways we have to look at doing that, but that's, you know, that's a little bit of uh, that's something we don't know yet and we'll have to continue to work on. And one thing actually you kind of touched on there that uh, I'm glad you reminded me to hit on this because it's another big question. We talk about parents, fans in the stands, you know, a lot of questions about that. But as I understand it, that's A, up to Alberta Health guidelines, but also each individual venue, correct? It is, yeah. There's certainly guidelines set by uh, by Alberta Health. And I think at this time, it's still 100 spectators. And then I think it's up to the the facilities and our members to help coordinate that. And I think, like anything, uh, there's a positive in that. Before, uh, you know, I'm not sure. It's another opportunity for communication that maybe is over-communication between uh, venues, between facilities, and and between associations. And it's something that uh, I know we're looking at over the course of as our plan continues to evolve, it's something that we're working on right now, which would would be kind of helpful t- uh, tips and hints in terms of how to how to prepare for a game that maybe you never would have thought of before. Before the, your your vehicle or your bus just showed up and you did what you did, you know, a number of times for a game, and now there's a lot of other protocols that come into play. So we're going to try and set some guidelines for that. Um, that will touch on spectators, touch on facilities, touch on what we can touch on, but certainly facilities still you know, have the opportunity to, to, you know, set what they need to set for their own respective areas. And as, as we keep mentioning as well, you know, those, those positives that come through and, you know, I think we can all agree adversity breeds innovation and change. So what are some more of, I, you know, I don't like using the word positive, but some of the the big takeaways or some of those changes as an organization that have, that have kind of happened from this, what are some of the ones that, that stick out in your mind? I probably mentioned a few of them, but uh, and to summarize them, I think that, you know, the, the over-communication, which uh, I use that word on purpose, is, you know, it started on March the 12th and it's continued that we've talked with other sports, we've talked with our members, we've talked with Hockey Canada, we've talked with facilities more than we ever have before. And you could argue, why didn't we do it before? It's because we get stuck in, we're all very busy, we get stuck in habits. So I think that's a key learning. Um, in the game itself, I think the chance to to maybe take more time to pick teams rather than being in a rush to get to that infamous uh, get to the you know make sure you get to these exhibition games. I think it's made us slow down a little bit. So I think that that's good for the entire game. Um, I've mentioned team training and, and the opportunity both in the kind of this tryout and sorting period, but also through the season as we participate in the the 14 day breaks. A chance to really spend more time to develop is there. So I think that's a a win as well. And I think those are three that kind of come to mind for me. Overall, I think as a system, um, every, every part of our strategy is talking about being a more 
aligned system and how do we do that? Well, throw a crisis on on the table and it, it makes you have to try and look at how do you align things. And and I think, you know, when we look at the way we're trying to organize, the way our league is going to come back with our teams and with our competition, I, I think that's forced us to be more aligned, more organized and, and really something that we should learn for future years as well, where you could ask, why didn't it happen before? And, and it it arguably should have, and we were all we were working at that type of strategy, but it didn't have to because we could always fall back to what we always did. And I think all of us as humans tend to want to do that, um, and this has changed changed a lot of that for us. And uh, I think those are you know that's gets being four things that I think are important for us. And it was it was pretty cool for me too, you know, being behind the screen from from my side of things, social media, our website, everything like that is is how we communicated with with our MHAs, uh, you know, with all our members and that, and seeing what people were doing. You know, the hockey from home was a big one. You know, our uh, Steve Mack, our, our video guy, was was very busy. You know, and we got to reach out to some new people, some Team Alberta alumni, and make those videos and kind of interact with people as well, and, and really see uh, people making the best of a bad situation. And of course us being hockey, being our livelihood, I think it's cool to see just how uh, much hockey helped people get through that time, even though they didn't have it, they made it in their own way. And I think that was a, a pretty cool positive to, to come out of it is just to be able to interact and reach people in a different way and, and see what they're doing. Yeah. I'd say two things. A, yeah, the, the, um, you know, the, the, I just reminded someone of this the other call that we've all done the, uh, we start talking and it's on mute and we all have, there's a whole new era of that going on, but certainly the, our ability, to communicate through different means, um, you know, it should and will change our business. Certainly in-person meetings are still very, very important. Um, as a person who on different days this over the last six months sat on upwards of 10 hours of Zoom calls, and I think a lot of people have been through that, there is too much too, but I think we've learned some things that are really important for us in, in terms of that. And the second thing I'd touch on too, and you, you hit on it with some of the innovative ideas we've had as our staff, couldn't be prouder of our of our team, of our staff team, of our, you know, of our volunteers that work with us, our board and the leadership they've shown right from day one um, in terms of, you know, looking forward. Um, but really, in that case, we, we made a lot of decisions in a short periods of time. We really had to make some hard decisions. Uh, we had some some hard reviews of things where, you know, in our case, we were fortunate. We feel that, uh, you know, we're able to keep kind of our team intact as best we can. But some really tough moments. But through that, you know, the number of things we managed to get done, you've referred to a couple of them. The fact that this podcast is still unfolding, you know, a really proud moment for me to know that we we certainly placed return to hockey as our number one priority, which we had to, whether we liked it or not. But we got an awful lot of other things done and also a lot of things that are moving forward as well. So those are some things that um, really hit me as I hear you ask that question. And that perfectly rolled into to my next one as well. You're you know, that return to hockey is that permanent fixture on the to-do list right at the top. But as you've mentioned, we've accomplished a lot of things, you know, and as we've launched the new Alberta Elite Hockey League, you know, we we're working closely with the associations, uh, you know, officials, all that. What what really stands out uh, other than the things you've mentioned as well as, as some of the bigger accomplishments for, for Hockey Alberta, the things that we've still got done with this return to hockey, the ongoing project? Uh, there's a lot of them, but I think you touched on one. Certainly the, the, uh, the opportunity with our EEHL. Saying that is always tough, but we'll get used to it. But uh, that that's something that uh, was a huge work behind the scenes to, to really get us to the spot where I think it's creating a, an opportunity for our customers that uh, that is taking advantage of what's been great about our games and, our, and those, you know, three prominent uh, historic leagues in our province and now turning them into kind of one uh, powerful brand. I think that's huge for us. 
um, you know, making decisions uh, or, you know, that we've made with respect to, you know, the, the body checking decision with respect to working with our leagues and, and having an opportunity to, to have more Bantam hockey players um, have non-checking options. I think we've seen a lot of that um, in different pockets of our province, but having our leagues work together on that's been huge. Um, for us internally, which, which really drives, drives us, our planning didn't stop. Um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time on our, on our strategic plan and we, we actually decided, uh, in December before COVID to, to really take a really good look at our values and, and how we want to continue to prove we're a values-based organization. And we worked with our staff, leadership from our board, worked with our volunteers to, to really recreate our values and make sure that that's a huge part of what we move ahead with. So those are, those are a few things that uh, I could probably go on for a long time, depending on how much time we have, but some things that uh, certainly really proud of our system of doing. And I'd just say in general, business has been continued to move ahead. You know, we, uh, nobody in our operations, we didn't go and change job descriptions saying, hey, by the way, we're going to work full time on return to hockey. None of us expected that, you know, months and months ago. That's now part of our day to day. And we're also getting a lot of other things done. And I think, um, you know, tribute to our board for the direction they've always set for us. Uh, and certainly from our leadership team to make sure that we stayed on the prize for that as well. And I think we know, you know, as you just mentioned, again, you and I could probably talk for, for hours about this. And before we get into uh, too much of you trying to convince me the New Jersey Devils might win the cup next year, probably start to wrap things up here because, again, you want to talk about hours and hours. Uh, it would probably take you that long to convince me. But it was a pleasure kicking off our podcast with you, uh, taking a deeper dive into that return to hockey and kind of what's transpired before and where we're going. I, I think it's uh, really important to hear. Uh, I think it's great to, again, just another platform to get that out. So uh, thanks again for taking the time. We'll probably have you on here again soon. So with that, uh, our very first episode comes to a close. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to, to Hockey Alberta CEO Rob Latwinski. I'm Ted Emmett, and we'll see you next time for episode two of Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast. Thank you for listening to the Center Ice podcast. For this episode and more, head to hockeyalberta.ca. If there's a topic you'd like covered on an upcoming episode, email info at hockeyalberta.ca.